It's 7.02. Um, we've got to start on the ones. This is going to be a little confusing to you because when I say ones, you're not going to think type ones. So I'm going to try and say type ones so that you're knowing that I'm not saying one. And I'm going to be using type two and type four and type sevens. They're going to come up. So when I say these numbers, see if you can remember that these are types that I'm talking about. I'm talking about type ones. This is the last of the gut triad. So I started two, three, four. I did the heart triad, five, six, seven, the head triad, and then eight, nine, and ones, the gut triad. And what that means is that these people live instinctually. All right? So the ones. <clears throat> Their worldview. The world is an imperfect place. I work towards perfection. The spiritual path for the ones is... The child felt anger at being separated from the perfect environment of essence. Anger disturbs the serenity of being held in a perfectly balanced flow of events. Resentment develops from seeing the difference between life as it is and how much better life could be. So the one's concerns are they work towards perfection. They avoid error and evil. Their self-denial causes anger. And unmet needs generates resentment. They find an outlet for this anger through correcting error and championing social causes. They look for impeccable ethics as the mark of an admirable character. They are conscientious. They monitor their own actions. And their moralistic thoughts, thoughts can block their feelings. These are words they hear a lot. Shoulds, must, ought to. They admire the practical virtues like work, thrift, honesty, effort. They have a harsh superego. They have severe mental critics in their head that judges their own actions. They feel guilt about not meeting high internal standards. They are a dedicated worker, and for them, Work can block pleasure and shadow issues like anger. So instead of feeling anger, they go to work. They have difficulty reading their inner signals of anger. And they would say to you, I'm not feeling angry. I'm feeling energetic. Their self-criticism reverses in self-defense to become critical of others. They worry about decisions. They're afraid to make mistakes. They are effective organizers and analysts, and they lead by example. Their personality bias is, if focusing on error becomes automatic, their self-observation ceases. All they know is that they're working desperately hard. They see loose ends everywhere, and they can't rest until everything is finished. 
And then the scope of the task enlarges even more, and more details appear. And it's getting late, and everything is out of control. And then, on top of all that, your mind begins to flog you because you are now very tired and very helpless. And it's maddening because other people don't care. And you don't realize how angry you are until, maybe, you hear the jagged edge in your voice and all of a sudden fury is spiking through your body. But your anger leads to action. You know exactly what's wrong because it's infuriating. Something perfect has been ruined and you're too mad to care whether you are overreacting or not. Your attention locks on to the right way to fix what's gone wrong and your anger just fuels your conviction. Now these ones, these type ones, if they would like to grow, they grow by knowing what they want instead of what would be right. They grow by learning to relax, by letting pleasure in. So for type ones, the focal issues are righteous anger, of course, there's only one kind, emotional control, compulsive tendencies, the inner critic, black and white thinking, one right way, decision-making, procrastination, ones as saints, and pleasure. So the first one, righteous anger. You know that anger is building in type ones because they start getting physically rigid and super polite. Oh, that's so cute. Amy's laughing. <laughs> and they have to justify their anger. They can't just be angry. They have to justify it. They also say that with anger comes a total grievance recall. In other words, all of the mistakes of the past come tumbling in. Forgiveness for them at that point feels like they're simply pretending that the incident never happened. After all, if you forgive and forget, that same mistake might be repeated. So for them, reading the signals of forbidden feelings such as anger can be a lifelong task for them. For them, their feelings say things like, I feel like I have a bottle, I am a bottle, with a cork in my mouth. Everything's jammed inside and I can't get it out. But I'm not angry. The thoughts simply say, oh, I just have a lot of energy. I'm blanking out, but I am not angry. So for them, it helps to name the physical sensations by starting with the obvious. My belly is tight. My jaw is clenched. My mind is going blank. For them, these are all signals that they are feeling angry. Ones and emotional control. Ones don't allow themselves to express bad emotions. Consequently, they have a long-standing fear of going out of control. In the eyes of the one child, anger might rise to murderous heights. 
any wave of strong emotion begins to feel dangerous and is suppressed. Self-discipline, emotional control, these are highly valued. But clamping down limits emotional information. So ones find themselves bracing against their feelings. Simple relaxation exercises are enormously helpful, especially when they are coupled with an attention practice that allows feelings to surface into awareness. The compulsive tendencies of ones. Desires and needs would surely emerge if they took time to explore and to question. Hence, they fill up their time. Free time makes type 1s feel anxious. For type 1s, therefore, there is never enough time. When a type 1 gets focused, they are unstoppable. There's very little distraction outside of the task at hand. The trick for them is to recognize the difference between working compulsively to block out anxiety and working because it's a pleasure. The inner critic of the type one. We have all experienced persistent inner talking to ourselves when we're planning to do something risky or wrong. But ones describe their own internal thought statements as loud and intrusive. A critical voice inside my head that monitors my thoughts and my feelings. It's like a superego run wild. This critic can be both insulting and punishing. It's a relief to simply notice someone else's mistakes when your own mind is attacking you so ferociously. This critical tendency is known as the judging mind. This judging mind is particularly insidious because it masquerades as giving good advice. Why question an inner voice that urges you to be a better person? Why question should and must and have to? Black and white thinking. When error looms in the foreground, it replaces whole picture thinking. The relationship is either perfect or it is wrong. The job is either faultless or it's an embarrassment. A small omission can make the entire project seem mismanaged. And there's a compulsion to deal with it quickly. So a 20% error feels, fills 100% of the mind of the one. One right way. You want things to be clear. You want to minimize the gray. You want the answer to be either right or wrong. You don't want to be swamped by possibilities. And you are not comfortable with multiple options. You do not like to make quick decisions, especially in a cross-current of information. Once a decision is made, you do not want to reformulate and open the question again. Decision-making, what if it's not right? The conflict between what you want and what is right 
makes decision-making difficult. A perfect choice, after all, would cover all of the angles. And the process will speed up if good enough expectations and reasonable deadlines can be set. Not the highest, not the best, but good enough to get into motion. Procrastination. Reworking the data to be totally sure doesn't seem like procrastination to the type 1. To the perfectionist, all she is is simply mentally engaged. Action is on hold, and she's mentally engaged. She's not procrastinating. After all, she's simply trying to be clear, to make the best possible decision. But sometimes their meticulous and lengthy approach can make others feel quite frustrated. And the usual reaction is annoyance. Type ones as saints. Now, some ones who do the right thing in their own eyes are not particularly self-critical. How nice is that? (laughs) They don't get depressed. They don't feel guilty. And feeling established in the right, they compare themselves favorably to everybody else. (laughs) Can I sign up? (laughs) They're perfectionists who have gotten the inner critic off their back. Their lifestyle, their family, their religion... Their career, they all make them feel morally superior. After all, good things happen to good people and bad things happen to bad people. And since their way of life is good, they feel no need to criticize or concern themselves about what other people think. (laughs) Good luck on that one. (laughs) Pleasure for the type one. Paradoxically, pleasure for the type 1 makes them feel anxious. Responsibility for them replaces romance. Free time makes them worry. When a perfectionist realizes that work has replaced a promised pleasure, it helps to backtrack mentally to remember what you wanted before the shoulds blocked your feelings. Here are the thoughts. Lightning may strike. I may lose control. Then the work will never get done. And then the mind begins to bargain with fate. I'll only take one hour off. I've earned the right to play. And sometimes if these are your thoughts, it helps to voice these thoughts to a partner. Talk to your partner. Security and risk. In secure life situations, the focal issues for ones are less intensely felt. Judgmental thinking diminishes. It's easier to relax. Multiple options seem less threatening. They might even think, let's do something different. Let's try something new. The shift to seven happens naturally with a shift of scene. Type 1s are famous for being completely different when they're on vacation. They are undistracted by family responsibilities when they leave the house. A more playful and relaxed aspect of being emerges that shows many of the characteristics that are attributed to type 7s. It's not that the 1 turns into a type 7 in security or becomes a type 4 in stress. It's that the preoccupation of the security and stress points are acted out from the perspective of the one. 
For example, when one's when seven's fascination with exploring multiple options is acted out from the one perspective, it's more like the, seeing the good in different points of view rather than getting lost in plans and dreams. So the high side of the security point is reported to be like finding a guilt-free self. It's easier to know what they want and to just do it. Decisions are easily made and are based on wishes rather than shoulds. Life is simply a whole lot easier. Now the low side of this seven position is reported as wanting everything and being very angry about the years of self-deprivation. A kind of rebellious counterforce is set up in which the now liberated one adopts a narcissistic worldview of gluttony the passion for seven, and this is acted out through entitlements. Type ones say that it can be difficult to be both critical and playful in the same day. They are either super responsible or they are a flake. The main task of ones seems to be integrating the security and risk reactions rather than cultivating security over risk, which is the temptation. A developed one then embodies the unique direction found at four, coupled with the ease and experimentation of seven, and the rigor of one. Now, the early warning signs of stress show an intensification of the focal issues of ones. The first reaction to stress is a tightening of the type's basic defenses. One's free time becomes anxiety-provoking. Work becomes compulsive. Pleasure is eliminated from the schedule. The inner critic becomes increasingly punitive. Emotional control tightens. Anger rises. Right and wrong thinking intensifies, which adds to difficulty in decision-making and the completion of important tasks. This is a classic health risk if the stress continues. Now the spiritual method or the spiritual message concerns adjusting the effort rather than rigidly following one right way. They have to adjust. If stress continues and it becomes clear that the focal issues aren't equal to the task The reaction of the now ineffectual one strategy, the attention will turn to point four. Again, the one never becomes a type four, but the four preoccupations are experienced from from the vantage point of the type one. Ones at type four typically fear that personal flaws will lead to abandonment and grief about not measuring up to high standards of excellence. In an emotional crash, type 1s can become paralyzed by depression. Type 1s realize with shock that good behavior and overexertion do not guarantee success or happiness. And type 1 is grief-stricken. What else is there? Now, if the immobility of depression can be turned, anger, the agent 
of change for ones will swiftly follow. Now the one is very angry. After all, he or she had to struggle, and it did not work, and that is not fair. Hopefully, there will be a re-evaluation of the one right way. And maybe the thought will occur that maybe there is another life path. It will help the type one to follow the anger trail and discover buried needs. So the high side of the stress reaction is the realization that buried emotional needs must factor into decision-making. At point four, what we should do is now less important than finding out what we want to do. This can become a very positive moment in the one's emotional life. By, fo- by following the type four agenda of moving deeply into sadness and pain, type ones in stress often examine questions of existence and meaning What are my authentic feelings for others? Rather than, what ought I feel? What work inspires me? Rather than, what work I think I should do? What lifestyle would emanate me rather than pacifying the inner critic? These are forbidden questions for the type one. What do I want rather than what should I do? Paradoxically, a crucial positive change emerges under stress. Many ones report that they discovered their true work and their true emotional nature during periods of loss. When they were forced by circumstances to dip deeply into the terrain of feeling, The low side of the four is self-absorption and depression. Now, if you live with a one, it would behoove you to remember details because they are detail-oriented. They appreciate small gestures. They appreciate you being on time. They like the fact that you remember names and that you introduce people appropriately. They like it when you speak respectfully, and they don't like it when you make you or anybody else look foolish. They like it, and they will they like it when you compliment their thrift, their effort, and their dependability. But don't expect any compliments in return. Cultivate your character. Admit error immediately. Admission clears the air and prevents resentments. And remember that ones always need to be right, and so there are always two right ways. You can and are allowed to maintain your own interests because type ones will work long hours on their own. And once committed, committed, they dig in. Now, so paradoxically, although type ones are the Enneagram's critics, They shatter under criticism. And appearances mean a lot to them. And they read implied criticism into the most innocent of remarks. You look great tonight. Or, 
what a nice outfit can be read to mean I didn't look great on our last date and I probably should get rid of whatever it was I wore and for them unexpected criticism can be terrifying because it implies that their inner critic failed any implied criticism sets up an immediate discomfort which is quickly followed by a wish to improve a justifying explanation or a counter accusation that points the finger at someone else fear of rejection is relieved by shifting blame elsewhere or judging back in self-defense if you live with the one you have to relate to his or her critic as well it can feel like you are living with two people you learn to recognize the facial tension when the inner critic takes over by not asking the type one is immunized against rejection but this causes the partner to feel bad because they were not able to guess correctly ones have to be educated to the fact that a spouse can have both good and bad points and still be a good person and that everyone has rough edges committed to perfection ones believe that good relationship could, should consistently produce only good thoughts and only good feelings and if they have any bad feelings then they are either wrong or the relationship is wrong or they feel guilty because they felt unhappy that the way out is to appreciate the relationship as it is to see the good in both the struggle and the success so perfectionists not only suffer for the faults of themselves but they suffer over the faults of their spouses they feel responsible for their loved one's errors while at the same time they feel guilty because only a bad person would be angry or disillusioned or sad about relationships <laughs> bless their hearts <laughs> all right so the signals that type ones send all right the type ones criticality and superior stance can make others feel inferior rejected defensive defensive but to the one in their minds criticism is a compliment after all it's proof that they care but their emotions have to be controlled and their perfectionism sidetracks pleasure and spontaneity their partner can feel the force of one's anger and control even when it is not explicitly stated the partner can feel that they are punished by unspoken criticism without even knowing what it is they have done the mixed messages that they send so type 1s repress their real needs by focusing on what should be done so they don't focus inside they don't focus on their feelings they don't focus on their needs instead they very conveniently focus on what needs to be done therefore when they look most committed is when they are launching into a corrective course of action and when they seem most determined to set things straight they may be focused on should and must rather than on what they really want perfectionists can sometimes confuse their own self-serving actions with an objectively correct position for example if a one likes to cycle then suddenly bicycles are the right way to get around town 
and other means of transformation, transportation are wrong by definition. So we got that one figured out. <laughs> Just listen to them. They'll tell you. <laughs> so ones will say and will tell you that it's hard for them to read their own anger signals. They say that instead of feeling angry, they often come up with a false solution that replaces anger with better feelings. In other words, they might be feeling anger, but here's what their thoughts say. Hmm, she's really a wonderful woman. I think I'll bring her some roses to show her how much I appreciate her. Thereby, they completely bypass any emotions that they have at all. They are not aware of their own, that their own thoughts lead them away from unacceptable feelings. They simply find themselves doing the right thing. Ones also misinterpret the feelings that they do feel. The thoughts say, ah, I am feeling so energetic today. I am getting so much done. I am getting all kinds of things straightened out. But others instead will hear a string of critical comments. Their thoughts are saying, I'm getting a lot organized. But for other, everybody around them, the comments are sounding very barbed. And what others see is a stoic presence, someone who is tight-lipped, visibly tense, and emanating a silent judgment, who will truthfully tell you in a polite, clenched, rising tone, nothing is wrong. Ones are often shocked when people are offended by their anger. Their thoughts are telling them, I'm just being clear and precise. What's their problem? Now, ones who can observe themselves report that the emotional rush is a first signal that something is getting wrong. There's a feeling of certainty, of being unequivocally right, which may well be a signal that their anger is rising. They would do well to enlist help, and this helper's job is to help them spot the sign of rising anger. Now, ones also give positive signals. They will challenge you to correct action. They will challenge you to correct effort. You can count on them. They will keep their promises. They will accept responsibilities, and they will make things right. And the buck stops with them. They value right action for its own sake without expectation of any benefits. Virtue for them is its own reward. They can inspire you and they will show you the joy of a, jo a job well done. Perfection of skill, of effort and character can lead to self-reliance and an independent life. They project ethical idealism and they will push you to embody the ideal. And they are in touch with the practical areas of life. Health, home, honesty, right livelihood, and good fun. We will end with the symbolic country, color, characters. The symbolic country is... Switzerland. Cleanliness, order, precision, 
watches. Half of the Swiss are bankers and half are shrinks. <laughs> and it took them a long time to ever find any skeletons in their closets. The symbolic animal are ants and bees and yelping terriers. <laughs> Industrious, busy building and maintaining. The symbolic color is silver, cool and sober. Lucy in Peanuts was a one. She was constantly trying to change the world, especially Charlie Brown. <laughs> Bless his heart. <laughs> you reckon he was a nine? <laughs> Martin Luther, the first Martin Luther, was a one, as was Paul in the, body, in the Bible. All right, so the lifelong task of the ones is to learn occasionally to ignore duty, order, and the improvement of the world, and instead to play, celebrate, and enjoy life. Thank you.